Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series Alive, we're taking a look at how we can embrace the daily resurrection life Jesus provides for us. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. Glad you're here with us. If you're unaware of this, my name is Dee Dee Bacon, and I happen to be the Senior Minister dude around here. I was uh, reflecting on the fact that today marks my 21st Easter to celebrate with Mount Carmel Christian Church on staff. 21st, wow. I started working when I was 10, and uh, 21st Easter here, and to be honest with you, this is the first time that we found uh, Easter's landed on April 1st unusual, April 1st, April Fool's Day, holiday where pranks and pranksters and uh, causing trouble, some of you look like you know what you're doing when it comes to that, is allowed and encouraged. So I thought it was pretty cool that a friend of mine on Facebook tagged me with this post where it brings Easter and April Fool's all together. How's that? (laughs) Jesus is outside, April Fool's, I'm alive. Pretty good, huh? You know, it's interesting, though, as we think about this, reminded of the fact that the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth, and he writes a letter, it's called Corinthians, and he writes part of his letter addressing an issue. The issue that he addresses is their reluctance because they felt they were too sophisticated to believe in resurrection. They weren't buying into resurrection. And Paul says to them, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that, people. If there's no resurrection, means Jesus didn't raise from the dead. And if Jesus didn't raise the dead, then I'm going to tell you, everything that you believed, everything that we've preached, everything that we stand on is a farce, is a waste. In fact, he even says, uh, those of us who believe and preach that Jesus raised from the dead, we're to be pitied among all men. In effect, he says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we who are people of faith, who are Christians, can be considered the fools. Now, the flip side of it is this, kind of catching on to that picture there. The flip side of it is this, but if Jesus did raise from the dead, and if Jesus is alive, and if what was recorded for us in Scripture by eyewitness testimony, that he was nailed to a cross faced Roman execution on a Friday afternoon, buried in a borrowed tomb on a Friday evening, but came back to life on Sunday. If that is true, then we would be foolish not to believe. We'd be foolish not to consider the claim of one who said he was once dead and alive. In fact, we would be foolish not to believe because... Jesus would be the only one, is the only one, that deals with a question that every one of us deals with, which, which humanity deals with, the question of what do we do about death? What do we do about death? Now, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he raised from the dead, and because of that belief, because of that belief, I believe the testimony of Scripture. I believe that testimony of Scripture says that we were created by God, the Creator, to have fellowship with Him. 
We were created to have a relationship with him, but that relationship went awry. That relationship got into trouble because of our tendency, our choice to sin, our choice to disobey, our choice to not do what God has called us to do. The Bible word for that is to be unrighteous. You see the word right there? Not be right with God. And because of that, it puts us in trouble. It puts us in trouble. Double trouble. It's a double trouble. You ever have something happen to you where you're like, it was bad enough that this happened to me, but now I have even more consequences to it that you feel like, man, it's bad enough that the event occurred, but now I have to deal with more and more stuff, bad stuff because of that? About 25, 26 years ago, I was with a church group, and we went to play basketball. We went to play basketball in a gym that had carpet on the floor. And you're like, why would you play basketball on carpet in the first place? Because that's what we did, all right? So get over that. Um, <laughs> and so we're playing basketball, and I remember my father-in-law was with me, and he said, hey, be careful. It's, it, it's, it's carpeted, so be careful. You, your feet stick. And sure enough, I was playing, and I made a cut. And my foot stayed, and my knee didn't, and boom, tore my left ACL. It wasn't nice. It wasn't pretty. It was horrible. My leg was unstable. My leg hurt. Uh, it was swelled up. It was painful. It was difficult. It was a tough time. The ACL injury was trouble. But then came something else, because it wasn't just the torn ligament the ACL ligament, you know that ligament that goes between, is in the kneecap, it's kind of like shaped like this and it looks like a, a mop head in terms of the way it's constructed. It holds the tibia and the fibula together, it holds your, your leg stable and if you don't have it, your leg does this action. Well, tearing that was bad but I didn't realize that I would deal with the double trouble from tearing that and that was the double trouble that involved depression. I was a stud athlete. Still am, but I was a stud athlete now. <laughs> and before that, I had never had a major injury in my life. I was the kid that could run into the wall, get back up, bounce, did all sorts of crazy things. I could jump, I could run, I could do everything I wanted to do. Now, all of a sudden, I was facing a situation where I couldn't do it anymore. I faced the reality that, wait a minute, you're not invincible, Didi. You're not invincible. And so I couldn't run like I could, and I couldn't jump like I could, and I couldn't operate in the manner that I was used to. I couldn't just do things like I used to do it. In fact, now when I started to think about doing something, I actually was gripped by fear because my ACL was torn. Tearing my ACL was, a, was, was double trouble. It was, it was the condition of a, a torn ligament, but it was also the ramifications of being so severely injured and not being able to do what I could do that I had to live with this depression, this weight, this, this, this heaviness. Well, the Bible says that when we are outside of where God wants us to be, when, when we have a broken relationship with God, it's double trouble. You see, we are creatures who live in a world created by God, the Creator. That's a basic assumption right from the beginning, Genesis, right? And in creator, creation, we live under the rules of the Creator. The Creator 
operates by a rule we call, we can call it the rule of law. The rule of law is really simple operational practice. Rule of law says, keep the law, escape the penalty. Got it? Break the law, suffer the penalty. So let's apply it to the physical law of gravity. Gravity says what goes up, what must come down. If you choose not to go up, you choose not to defy the law of gravity, you don't have to worry about the consequences of falling, right? But if you do go up and you're not grounded, guess what's going to happen? You're going to come down. You keep the law of gravity, you will escape the penalty. You break the law of gravity, you will get hurt. You'll suffer the consequences. Now, this, this, this law operates in, in everything, and it even operates in the rules that govern behavior. We call them morals. The rules that govern how we're to operate with one another and how we're to, to relate with God. It's the rules of relationship. It's what we call right and wrong. It's the stuff we teach our children, good manners, honesty, hard work, all those values that, that come into the world that help us interact as human beings. And, and moral law, we're told, comes from the very nature of God. So, for instance, the, the moral law of honesty is born out of the fact that God is a God who always tells the truth. Therefore, we have the principle of honesty that our produces the, the, the law from God's word, thou shalt not tell a lie. Well, if we never speak falsehood, if we never lie, we never have to worry about the consequences of being liars. But if we do speak a falsehood, if we do tell a lie, now we're in a situation where we come into the category where we are lawbreakers. As lawbreakers, we violate the principle of Honesty, And as violators of the principle of honesty, we offend the person whom that principle lies in, and that's God. And we are deserving the punishment due for breaking God's law. We shift to a new position. And, and like the ACL, I was told that the ACL is like that mop head. It's not an easy, easy ligament to repair. You can't sew it back up because once it breaks, it frays out all over the place. It, it doesn't repair by itself once it's fully cut. Well, in the same way, when we break God's law, the Bible says that all who have sinned fall short of the glory of God and all deserve the punishment for being lawbreakers, for being unrighteous. And that punishment is double trouble. It's double trouble because first and foremost, our condition with God now becomes one of guilt. We are lawbreakers and the Bible says the consequences of breaking God's law is death. And therefore, we're all individuals who live under a death penalty in God's economy because we are lawbreakers. That's not a good situation. But then there's the other piece, is that the double trouble part. The, the second part of the problem is that not only are we guilty, not only are we in a position of guilt deserving punishment be being lawbreakers, but also now we live with the fact that we've chosen to step outside of God's will, God's way, God's word, and in choosing to do that, we enter into the situation that, I, I can't find a better way to describe it, but it's a situation where we find ourselves morally sick, sin sick, some may call it depravity. It's the, it's the convolution of what is right and wrong. And, and in fact, the Bible says we get in this situation where we call what is good bad and what is bad good. And those of us who've been living around a little bit, we look at the world today and we're like, wow, look at the news. Look at all the stuff. How are people treating one another? The nastiness, the horribleness, the, the shootings, the killings, the, the drug addiction, the, the pain, the suffering. What is going on? Our world is sick. And according to the Bible that talks about Jesus and talks about Jesus alive, we're sick because of 
Stepping out of the will and the way and the word of God. It's double trouble. Paul explains all of this in a letter he writes to a group of Christians. It was a already established church. Paul was a man who was once named Saul, who through a conversion experience went from a man who was against Christ to a man who was fully for Christ. And his calling in life was to be the messenger of Jesus to people who were not in his people group, but outside of his people group. He was a Jew. He was called to preach the message to non-Jews, Gentiles. And the way he characterized his message is he says, I'm, here, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. We use that word gospel a lot, and we use the word gospel to mean it's something that's true, and, and that's applied. But really, the basic meaning of gospel is good news. I have been commissioned to tell the world good news. And what is the good news? Well, the good news, he explains in the first part of Romans. Follow along with me as I read. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of what I preach, what I teach. I'm not ashamed of, of this message that I, you know, in Paul's situation with the Romans, he wanted to tell them in person, but he couldn't because he's delayed on his travels. So he writes this letter in detailing, explaining to them what his good news message is. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, by, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So the good news is that the power of God has made a way for everyone who believes to be right with God. It, the power of God has come up with a solution to the problem of our double trouble. Some will call it the good news is the double cure. See, God has made a way for us to be right with Him, and we access that by believing. By believing. By accepting with our mind and trusting with our heart. And what are we to believe? Well, we're to believe... Well, we've been celebrating since Friday. We're to believe the Christmas story that God sent his son into the world. God became flesh. That baby born in a manger was a human being. As a human being, he can represent humanity. As a human being, we're also told that this human being, Jesus, isn't unrighteous. He isn't a lawbreaker. Therefore, his life is innocent. He doesn't qualify for what you and I qualify for. Because he didn't break the law, he's innocent. And as an innocent one, he can say, hey, take me instead. He can stand in as a substitute his innocent life for our guilty life. But not only that, is that his life is more than just human life. His life, we're told, he's the son of God. He is God in flesh. And therefore, the value of his life as God is of eternal value, the value that's necessary to pay the price for the eternal death for every one of us from the past and in the present and into the future. His life is enough to pay the price. Therefore, Jesus is the perfect candidate to go to the cross, lay down his life, what we celebrate on Good Friday, and offer it up for us to pay the price due for every one of us. That's pretty cool. That's called grace. The Bible says, 
You know, someone might die for a good man, but who's going to die for a bad one? And in terms of our relationship with God, we're all outsiders because of our rebellion, and we deserve punishment. But instead of punishment, God gives us Jesus. And this way of grace, it's mind-boggling. It's totally upside down. It's not fair. And don't anyone in this room tell me, I want God to treat me fairly. No, you don't. It's like a kid. I want, God, I, I want my spanking. No, you don't. No, you don't. We don't want God to treat us fairly. Because if we're treated fairly, we get what we deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve death. Separation from God. Sin, sickness. We don't deserve. We don't want that. We want grace. And grace turns things upside down. Grace goes like this. It says, for those who broke the law, those who didn't keep the law, those who broke the law, they'll escape the penalty. Why is that? Well, because one came in who kept the law but suffered the penalty in their stead. Yeah, baby. That's what I want. So if I'm going to stand before God, I'm going to say, treat me fairly. I'm going to say, I'm with that guy, Jesus. Because <laughs> I don't want to get what I deserve. But I'm thankful for what he offers. It's grace. And so we see in the Bible this, 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 this laying it out. We see by grace the means we just, we just talked about, God making a way by which we can be right with him through faith, this, this means of which this uh, technical law thing is taken care of because God uh, made a power of God and through his son made a way available. By, by grace that it's given through faith is access, belief. We uh, have a scent with our mind and a trust with our heart. And then we see that in the scriptures, this pattern of the occasion by which all this comes together, it says at baptism. By grace, through faith, at baptism. At baptism is a place where, where we, we, we count as the occasion by which, yeah, this is it. This is the official uh, sealing of the deal, if you'd like. Uh, to me, baptism is what the wedding ceremony is to our marriage or, or what, it, what the graduation ceremony is, the conferring of a four-year degree. It's that point. It's that occasion by which we are brought into the, chill, the, the, the place where we are made right with God. It's, the, it's, it's, it's an important part of of our faith's response. That takes care of the first part of the double trouble. What about the second part? What about this sin sickness? What about this depravity? What about this cancer of our souls? What about this moral weakness, this inability to do what's right, this lack of strength to be able to follow God's Lord? What about that transformation? What, what does God's grace do to, to help me with that? Well, let's go back to baptism, and let's go back to what Paul says in, in Romans about that. He says in chapter 6, Or do you not know that all of us who, were, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in his likeness of his death... Certainly, we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. At baptism, there is a death. It's the death of your old self, the old way, the, the one that was under law, and you're brought back up to life in a new way, in the new operating system, the way of grace, by faith. 
Our sin sickness then is cured by this resurrection power that occurs And the means by which the resurrection power is transmitted into our life, the Bible says, comes in the second part of the gift that's given to us at baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God's Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, the presence of God Himself begins to take residence in our life, and that residency now becomes the power source by which we're able to be transformed, to become alive, to live in a new way, to fully be ourselves. what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he, ra- he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead is alive and active providing you that same resurrection power to make you alive. See, when my ACL was torn, my anterior cruciate ligament in my left knee, I had surgery. 1995, the guy said, you got 25 years. I think I have to get an extended warranty on that sucker. But anyway, 25 years, ACL repaired. Surgery occurred and it was repaired. I remember that, uh, you know, again, this is just how naive I was. I thought, I'm going to go in, have surgery, have a little scar and get up and say, woohoo, let's go, basketball again, I'm all good. Uh, No. I woke up shocked. My leg was bandaged from here to here, swollen, ice all over it. It was horrible. Went home. It was miserable. They delivered this machine. In those days, they gave you a machine that bent your knee and that you had to click up the degree of bending, and that was horrible. I remember sitting there almost crying, sweating. It was, so, it was brutal. My knee was repaired. The ligament was re, reconnected, reconstructed. My knee was reconstructed. It was repaired. But the reality was, and at that point, my leg was still injured, wasn't it? In fact, though my knee was repaired, though my status was repaired, my operation was still injured, right? My leg was weak. It was unstable. It was unable to bend all the way it was supposed to bend. It wasn't able, I wasn't able to walk in the way I was supposed to walk. I had to have a brace to protect it because it was still vulnerable. It was not in a good state. And so the next part of my healing, the the next part of dealing with that first trouble was to invest myself in the next part of the cure, which is called rehabilitation. I had to go and see a physical therapist. My good friend Tim Pride says, we should call them physical terrorists. (laughs) Yeah. Because they terrorize you. And boy, did they terrorize me. It was brutal. It was brutal. I should have learned my lesson. When I was in high school, I uh, tore my ankle up. I sprained my ankle. And so I was a senior in high school, sprained my ankle. So I had to go and see the physical therapist. And there was this... In Zimbabwe, I was in Zimbabwe, Africa. It was this pretty blonde girl. I'm thinking, lovely. <laughs> She's pretty. I'm a pretty good-looking guy. Who knows? And then she got hold of my ankle. And I hated that woman so badly. <laughs> the point is, is that in physical therapy, you have to give yourself 
to the wisdom, to the skill, to the resources of the program and the physical therapists, right? You have to submit yourself. Submit to going, submit to participating, submit to putting in the work to cooperate with the program that they put in place. Why? Because that's what is needed to bring life to your leg. And it's hard, and it's brutal, and it's many times you're saying, ah, oh, I just can't do this. And there are good moments. There are a lot of excitement. There's times of reward. Yes, but it's a journey. It's a process. But at the end of the process, because of hard work and because of my total commitment to it, my leg regained its strength. In fact, my knee, my left knee, became more stable in many ways than my right knee that was never injured before. Became stronger. Why? Because of the commitment to submit myself to the program and the leadership of the physical therapist. Well, in the same way, the cure of the, double, the second part of the double trouble, how, how, do we, how do we come alive? Well, it's giving ourselves to the leadership, to the direction, to the promptings of the God's, God's spirit within us. Learning the Word of God, we don't read the Bible so we can just read the Bible and quote chapter and verse. No, we read the Bible so we can be attuned to the promptings of the Spirit and God in our life so we can live in harmony with Him. Why do we pray? Just because we want stuff? No, we pray so that we can learn to submit our day-to-day -to, -day to the power of God and rely on His strength. Why do we participate in, in a family of church? So that we can be reminded that we're part of a community of faith where others who are spirit, car uh, spirit carriers, Holy Spirit carriers, can encourage us and, and model for us what it means to, to walk and follow Jesus. Submitting ourselves to our day-to-day -day small decisions. You know, people tend to get really hyped up on church being one big experience. I'm telling you what, church and Christianity, the power of it is the small done continuously. It's the little things. It's the decisions on how you approach, the, uh, approach your day and how you spend your money and how you talk to your spouse and how you rear your children and how you operate at work and how you drive. In doing that, you submit yourself to the program and you come alive. On Monday, we sit down and we talk about the Sunday's message, I sit with a group of guys. One of those guys is Tim Peace, the guy that came out and facilitated communion for us. Tim had something interesting to say that, that stuck with me. He said, you know, while Friday is important for us, of course it is, right? Friday is Good Friday. Why is it Good Friday? It's Good Friday because uh, it's the means by which God's power is at work. He sent his son. He died on the cross. He offered himself as a sacrifice for us, qualified and, and able, and we can access that by faith. While Friday is good, and we thank God for Friday, the reality is, is that Friday's past, and we thank him for Friday, but we live in Sunday. We live in Sunday. Life is lived out on Sunday. We are alive because of Sunday. And being alive because of Sunday is because we have a God who is releasing our full potential through the power of the resurrection that comes to us in the Holy Spirit because of Sunday. You know, it's because of Sunday a fisherman named Peter turned into being a fisher of men. It's because of Sunday, this short little tax collector who was a money grabber and dishonest 
had an encounter with Jesus, but resurrection life came into him and he became a generous giver. A woman living in sin became the woman living in grace. Saul, I talked about him, the persecutor of the church, the persecutor of the church, the person that was throwing Christians into jail because of Sunday becomes the man called Paul, the preacher of Christ, who is imprisoned because of Jesus. Because of Sunday, I know a rock and roll singer who's now a worship leader. Because of Sunday, I know a fatherless son who's become a great dad. Because of Sunday, I know an abused girl, abused and neglected and abandoned to be transformed to be a great wife and mother, rearing children and holiness. Because of the power of the resurrection released on Sunday, I've seen bitterness transformed into forgiveness, brokenness into wholeness. I've seen depression regenerated into joy, destructive habits remade into life-giving habits. Because of Sunday, I've seen insignificance turn into purpose. I've seen those who have been opposed to faith become champions of faith. I've become those who were, were, were on the outside and now become those who are outreachers to those on the fringes who are lost and marginalized, bringing them into the, the people of faith because of Sunday. All because the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, is alive and active in the hearts of believers in Jesus. There it is. Thank God for the cross on Friday. But we're alive because of Sunday. I'm going to ask that you stand. I've got a couple of guys who have come forward. Here's, here's the first part of this, this request. Those of you, may, some of you may be here that are uh, hearing maybe for the first time this double trouble, double cure, and it's really resonating. You're like, I want that. I want that. Well, you can have it. It's available to you. Just let us know. Come tell one of these guys that you want that. They'll let you know what you need to do. It's going to be baptized. We've got to change the clothes. So don't worry about your, your I was going to say Sunday best, but your Easter best. Your Easter bonnets. I don't see any Easter bonnets. Okay, so we're good. Right? If that's what you want, we have that available. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. And, and if you want to come, that's the time you can come. So yesterday I was uh, driving back from Columbus and I realized it was Saturday and I, I always joke about Saturday. You know, you go Good Friday and you go Sunday and then you go Intermediate Saturday. What do you do on Saturday, right? And I remember I used to preach messages. I used to say, you know, Saturday is a good picture of where we are in life as Christians. That we're kind of in between. We're in this intermediate time waiting for the resurrection, waiting for Jesus to return. And and then there's truth in that. I'm not saying I was preaching a falsehood, but I came to realize as I was thinking about this message, you know, on the one hand, though, we don't live on Saturday. As believers in Christ, we're ready on Sunday. What we're waiting for is really the fulfillment of what's already happening in us. Resurrection is already occurring, and though our body is dying, our spirit is being made alive to one day to get the fullness of, of resurrection life when we will raise from the dead as, as promised by Jesus. So we live on Sunday. 
So we're going to continue on singing, and after we sing, we're going to ask that you consider the fact that, hey, if you want to come forward and tell these guys about you want to be baptized, but also uh, if you are dealing with a death in your life, a weight, a burden, a struggle, you're a believer, but you're having a hard time hearing this message of victory, you're having a hard time with, with something that's, that's it's really, it's, it's a death to you. It's a struggle with you. Well, when things quiet down after we sing, finish singing, these guys are going to be available to pray with you on that in person. Let's sing. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.